0: Hello and welcome to the Sioux Nation podcast. I'm your Sioux Nation Ag Center staff host, Jill Funky, and joining me on the show today are Barry Berg and Amber Lively from the Big Sioux River Project. Barry is the Senior Watershed Coordinator for the Big Sioux River Project. He has worked proactively with producers and landowners to bring new and innovative programs that improve water quality throughout the watershed. Amber is the Watershed Education Program Manager for the Big Sioux River Project. She has been involved with K-12 STEM educational programs for the last 15 years and teaches water quality education as an adjunct professor for undergraduate and graduate institutions. Thank you both for being here today. Thanks, Jill. Thanks, Jill. So we're going to jump right in. Can you outline for our listeners how and why the Big Sioux River Project was started?
1: Well, depends on how far you want to go back, but 70 some years ago when they enacted the, the Federal Water Pollution Control Act of 1948, they started water quality trends and water quality work and it's something that they thought was important that they should be aware of. And in the 70s, 1972, the Clean Water Act was amended from that act. And so that's when water quality awareness was born, really. And uh, projects stem from, from the Clean Water Act and those type of things. And basically we started working on different programs to clean up water across the United States, um,
2: Yeah, and how the project came to be in South Dakota uh, actually stemmed from water quality assessments that were done here in the Big Sioux watershed. There were water monitoring done from 1999 to 2003. They did some biological monitoring, watershed monitoring, and an extensive water quality data review. And they found that most segments of the Big Sioux River and many of the tributaries were determined to be impaired due to high levels of bacteria. After those assessments, the state had quantifiable evidence of problems in the watershed and needed to create a solution aimed at addressing those specific concerns associated with each impairment. And that's really how the Big Sioux River Project
0: was born. So can you guys talk about what activities your organization spearheads to improve the water quality in the Big Sioux River watershed?
1: Yeah, basically the Big Sioux River Project is really focused on working with producers to do practices that are conservation type practices uh, to improve water quality. And we work with producers to do buffers, uh, no-till, different practices that NRCS and other agencies have been doing for a number of years. Uh, The neat thing about it is that we can do things that they're, they're not able to necessarily do other agency groups and by doing something different um, together collectively we can get a lot more done and the partnering of the different agencies together gives producers a large selection of different things that they can do that all work together to improve water quality of the big Sur river
0: sounds great i and we have had south dakota soil on the program and maybe some of the other agencies that you work with. And so it's great to hear about those collaborations. I know the two of you are the employees of the organization. How is the organization governed? Like who says what's gonna happen? Who has the final say? The the short
2: answer is it's kind of left uh, to us, but we are uh, we do work closely with local agencies, particularly at the county and municipal level, to really address those concerns that are the highest priority. So we have a lot of partners. You know, Barry mentioned we work closely with the NRCS. Uh, we have uh, the Minnehaha County Conservation District, City of Sioux Falls, City of Del Rapids, um, East Dakota Water Development Distri- District. So all of these are partners that help us not only have access to programs that benefit producers and benefit water quality, but also that help to give us the the funding that we need to help incentivize these programs as
1: well. Even your city of Sioux Falls, they have a part in this as well. And they're able to generate funding for the project through loans they take out to put in sewer infrastructure, which also helps put conservation on the ground and, and allows us to expand into new different practices that we normally wouldn't be able to do.
0: What would the two of you like to say about the services you do offer for rural watersheds?
1: For rural watersheds, we we work with all kinds of, of producers. If it's livestock operators, if it's cropping or whatever they may do, we have practices that fit every one of them. Our big practice that we really push through the watershed project is called the seasonal riparian area management and SRAM for short and SRAM is basically a buffer program that is designed to give us the water quality benefits along streams and in riparian areas along streams in the Big Sioux River and basically by leaving a minimum of a 30 foot strip of grass up to 100 feet or the 100-year floodplain, so that that protects when we have times of, of flooding and and overland flow. And by enrolling into that program, producers not only have the buffer in place to do that, but they also get use out of that buffer. They get to hay that buffer in the summertime, which is different from CRP. Uh, right now, we're having kind of a drought where they've they've released some CRP acres, and you can go out there and, and cut some of them or part of your CRP in the SRAM program. Each year, you're able to hay that that SRAM piece or that buffer, and do that during the summer. You're not allowed to graze during the summer, which keeps the livestock out of the stream when it gets really hot out. And we've had a few hot days. You know that. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, basically after september 30th that producer is allowed to go in there and and actually graze those acres and we've got a caveat that they have an alternative water source so the livestock aren't in the stream drinking out of the stream which gives them better fresh water by the way so with that management put together the way we have it it's a little learning curve but it's it's not a difficult thing to do it's just a timing issue when when you have to do those things and also there's a payment that is given to the producer for enrolling into the program, which the payment is is quite substantial. We've got anywheres between eighty and hundred and forty dollars per acre per year. And basically that's for the deferred grazing period in the in the summertime when they aren't allowed to graze. And so it kinda gives them a little edge or takes a little edge off it, I should say, and gives them that those dollars that they could you know, maybe purchase feed or do something different with. And so it, it really helps that program along. We also do feedlot work where we work with operators that don't have any storage for their manure that's produced. And so we work with NRCS through the partnerships and we cost share building storage for the manure so that they can store it in the wintertime and then apply it to the fields in the spring and in the fall when those nutrients can be properly placed or put where they're needed by the crop. And instead of running off or you know, when we have rainstorm events and, and not being utilized. So just management type things like that. Um, we, and we try to, to push those, those practices and, and show where the benefits are, that it's not only a benefit for the environment, but a benefit for the producers bottom line when we put them in the right places at the right time.
0: Sure, lots of, lots of benefits.
2: And um, I'll speak a little bit more on the urban water, or urban watershed uh, programs that we have. Most of those focus on education, and we believe that building an, a good relationship with the river has to start early. So we are uh, we're constantly finding new ways to get into classrooms or appear at water festivals and things like that in the area to bring watershed education to our community. Barry told a story of a of somebody he worked with who remembered going to the Sioux Empire Water Festival when they were in fourth or fifth grade, and then later on came to work in water quality improvement. And so it's really wonderful wonderful when you hear that those kinds of stories stick with people, and it's hard to measure the, the impact that you have until you hear those stories about people recognizing the impact that water quality plays in our life. But we also uh, use those non-poise source revolving funds that Barry mentioned that the city of Sioux Falls has. Um, we use those to implement water quality improvement projects in the city as well. Um, so we worked with the city of Sioux Falls to implement an urban buffer along Skunk Creek down at Legacy Park. And so that's something where urban residents can come and see a buffer in action and understand the a little bit more about the benefits that it plays in water quality improvement as well as songbird and, and pollinator habitats as well. So even if they can't get out to a producer's field field, they can still see a buffer in action and understand a little bit more about those water quality benefits.
0: What else would you like to say about maybe specifically what you do with education and outreach?
2: Um, like I said we really want to encourage people to build a, a positive relationship with the river and understand what's going on so as a from an education perspective excuse me um, we make our services available to come into a classroom all someone has to do if they are a, a k-12 educator in the area is give me a call and say hey this is my grade level this is what we're working on can you help me build a watershed curriculum and I'd be happy to come into the classroom and help fire people up about water quality and let them know a little bit more about what we're doing to improve it from the project's perspective and also do some place-based hands-on memorable activities to get kids thinking about water quality from an early age. I mentioned the, the water festivals, but we also try to engage with um, the Ag Education Days at, like, the Washington Pavilion. Yesterday, we went to the Ag Appreciation Day at the Sioux Empire Fair. So we do try and um, and get our presence out there uh, from an education and outreach perspective. Barry and I were talking uh, about what our producer outreach has really looked like. And that's mostly been Barry going and knocking on producers' doors. And so, uh, so we understand that... Uh, yeah, Barry, Barry does that. He's the one who's out there talking to producers directly and letting them know about the programs that we have, the programs that our par- partners have that can benefit them, how they can really utilize the services that, that we offer and our cost assistance programs and cost share assistance and that sort of thing. But we really, um, we also have done uh, some mailers because Barry knocking on the door is not a, su- a sustainable uh, option. And uh, you know, there's only so many hours in a day and only one Barry. So we do some mailers through the RCPP partnership with the NRCS um, that we mail out to producers in the watershed that let them know when funding is available for cost share assistance um, through some of those programs that uh, that help to reduce uh, fecal coliform and uh, TSS or total suspended solids impairments in the, wa- in the watershed. Yeah,
1: and if I may, we, we have an event coming up in this month, so August 23rd. We have a grazing event, and we've invited a number of producers that are within the watershed or near streams or have, have some land that's adjacent to the Big Sioux and some tributaries, uh, Skunk Creek in particular, that they can come to this event, and it's at 9 in the morning. It's a tent, so if you're driving around and you see a big tent in the pasture, come on in. We'll serve you some lunch and, and talk about water quality and talk about programs and, and uh, have a good time.
0: Yeah, that does sound fun, and it sounds fun to go to the elementary schools and teach those young little minds that want to soak up oh everything. Oh my
2: goodness, the energy that these kids have. You know, I, uh, I when we did the fourth grade water festival event, I remember we were in the, um, it was myself and, a, and another person that used to work with the project, and we were standing in a gymnasium waiting for a group of kids to come in, and all of a sudden it just sounded like a herd of elephants coming down the stairs. <laughs> a roar. And they, oh, it was, it was this like building roar, and all of a sudden this energy that exploded, and they were just so excited to learn everything. And yeah, it was, it was a, absolutely amazing to see that sort of enthusiasm and to remember we all were like that once. Yes. And so harnessing <laughs> that energy and focusing it on water quality in a way that's engaging and fun and memorable
0: is, has been a really a, a huge joy for me. And like you guys said, somebody in one of those crowds could be taking your job you yeah. know, in a few years right. or joining your staff or whatever. And so that might come to fruition and be very fulfilling. So yeah. good for you. That's neat.
2: And that's part of why we do some of the, the information that we have uh, through our social media and our website. Um, so our online presence, uh, we have the, the breakdown of that. It's mostly about 75% of it, or three-quarters of our following, is uh, urban Sioux Falls. And so we're really trying to get the message out there about not only what we do for water quality and the services we offer. You know, Again, it's, it's free to bring us into a classroom or um, just to stop by and talk to us and ask about some of the programs that we have, but also to talk about the good work that the producers are doing and to get the message out there about what uh, the agricultural community is doing to improve water quality as well. So we've got uh, a list of, of, of our direct impacts based off, from our projects um, available out on our, our website, com. So we can help to communicate that a little bit more to the ag and urban communities and get the information out there for them as well.
0: Sounds good. I think I also... Learned a little bit about what you do on, you have an Instagram account, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah.
2: We have an Instagram and a Facebook account. And so we try to we try to keep that a good blend of things that not only uh, advertise the services that we have. So we talk on there a little bit about how our cost share assistance on alternative water, for example, can help producers during the drought that we're having. Um, a little bit more about SRAM and how flexible that is and how it was designed for the producer, but also to engage the urban community and understanding a little bit more about forage and wildlife and, and the wildflowers that we have that may be found in some of these pastures that have been allowed to go back to native grasses and things.
0: Yeah, you guys are busy and there's <laughs> just two of you. Wow. So what would you like to say about the reports that assess the water quality and assess the impact that your organization has had on the watershed?
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you can only cover so, so many things in a report and basically... The watershed projects in the past and 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 currently are looked at as what have they accomplished and and they draw a line to where if a river's meeting its beneficial uses or if it's not or a stream or a lake or whatever water body and a beneficial use is if they if you're allowed to swim in it if the state designates that water body to say that's a swimming area you can swim in it it has to has to pass a standard for so much bacteria in there where it would be safe to do that or not pass. And that's basically how those things are gauged. Either you your pass fail. Well, so what's in between? Um, it, it's a really, it's, it's a low number that you have to, to make it pass, but how do you really gauge in between that number of not passing and, and passing to where is, are things being accomplished? So Let's just say if if you've got seventy five percent of the pollution in a certain stream or or river cleaned up, but you're still failing, does that get passed on no we don't we don't talk about those right. those little steps you know we just throw out the success stories yes, we got it done um one success story of the Big Sur river project is that we delisted skunk Creek back in two thousand fifteen for sediment basically we've done work with the partners, NRCS, our SRAM program, we feel that enough conservation was put on the ground to reduce the sediment coming into Skunk Creek to where it's now passing for the standard that it should be for for fish to survive and and breed. So those things get seen, the other winds don't. I truly believe, I've been doing this for 23, 24 years, that the water quality in the watershed the big Sur river the the different streams has been getting better um I, I love it when i go out in the countryside and and look for guys to talk to and and i'll run into one that i've been working with for years and it's just fun to shoot the breeze and and talk about things and then maybe they've got new ideas some of the ideas that i've put together for new programs have come from talking with producers and, and the, the needs that are out there. And so we try to infuse them into the stuff that we're doing and come up with a better idea or a better program that works for everybody. So it, it's really fun in that respect. But uh, since the project has been going, I mean, we, we track reductions of sediment. We track reductions of E. coli that these practices have done. And uh, we put that online and one of the reductions that, that we have, for example, would be sediment. You know, since the start of the the project, we've reduced 28 million pounds of sediment in the watershed, which-
0: That sounds like a lot. (laughs) 28
1: million, what's 28 million pounds? Well, 28 million pounds is about 1500 mid-sized dump trucks full of sediment. And if you line those dump trucks up, that's about eight miles. So that's a lot of dirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but those things are are tough to get out to everybody. But mm-hmm. this is one good way. I mean, we're talking about it right now, so.
0: Yes,
2: very good. And that's why we really appreciate the opportunity to talk about it, because you know, if you just see a pass or fail grade on a stream, for example, you don't get those numbers. You don't see that visual of eight miles of dump trucks worth of sediment Mm -hmm. that have been reduced because of these practices.
0: It's not a good indicator. Exactly. You know, it's all in how you you stack your numbers and, and different things, but it's not a great indicator of your progress, so that's it. Great representation, though. By the way, now I have that in my mind. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And when there's two people working on a project, you've got to, you know, designate where the work is needed. And sometimes we don't have enough time to get to tell our story. And this is one way we get to tell our story, but we we have to improve on that and and get those numbers out there so that, you know, it's not always looked at as a fail, a fail, a fail. There are improvements. Mm -hmm. There are things getting better. So to look at the positive side and say, yeah, it's getting better. And sometimes one of these times it's going to be, hey, we've done it. Mm -hmm. And we are so close.
0: So is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know that we didn't already talk about?
1: Well, I think one of the things is we just wanted to give a shout-out to them for you know the times that we do come out there, and they're busy. I mean, extremely busy weather different circumstances things go wrong and given us the time to work with them I mean that's that's you know something that we we kind of take for granted sometimes but to give us the time to talk about these new practices and give us consideration to try some of the things that we have you know even if it's out of their comfort zone and to work with the project and and see that some of these things can be done and and work so you know, just a just a shout out to the guys that have have worked with us in the past and that are looking to work with us in the future.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, since we're already putting a plug out to go to our Facebook and Instagram, also a reminder to go to our website. We have a list of all our accomplishments, our achievements out there that shows sediment, E. coli, phosphorus, nitrogen, all the reductions that we that we have calculated for our impact over the years, um, or per year actually, is what you're seeing in that uh, in that report. Um, So just another plug to go out to our, our website as well and contact us if you have any questions. Our tagline is, we are water quality, and we take that seriously. And so we encourage people to reach out if they have water quality questions as well.
0: Thank you, Barry and Amber, for helping us better understand the mission and the services of the Big Sioux River Project. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We'll catch you next time with more guests and topics related to the current ag climate.